You are listening to the Call to Action Podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 44 of the Call to Action Podcast. I am your host, Shantae, and today we are having a fireside chat with Tiffany C. Lewis, who is an author and also a beta reader. So we're going to learn all about that in the show today. Now, before I bring our guests onto the show, I have an inspirational quote that I'd like to share. And here is the inspirational quote for episode 44 of the Call to Action podcast. If your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. I'm going to say that one more time. If your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. And that is by the late and great Muhammad Ali. If you missed episode 43 of the Call to Action podcast, as always, it is a must listen. My guests for that episode actually had three on that episode. I had Rashmi P. Menon, who is a multi-genre author and editor, I also had Lolly A. Love, who is an award-winning author and Amazon bestseller of dark fantasy, science fiction, paranormal thriller, and metaphysical poetry. And I also had Amarina Carlton, who is a Southern fiction writer. You can hear all about the great things these ladies are doing in that episode, but in the meantime, take a listen to this clip from episode 43 of the Call to Action podcast. Because you're interacting with them, they want to know what you are talking about. So they come to your uh, you know, account and then there's a little bit of commenting and there's a little bit of chatting that goes on. And that's what actually helps you develop the algorithm. Uh, constant posting mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, you know, probably RTing for Twitter um, and just not talking about it is definitely not going to help. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And he... And humanizing is very important too. Like they need to see that you are a person, not just an idea or a book, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, you can hear the full episode on ctamarketing.biz. And when you're there, click on podcast on the main menu to access that episode as well as past episodes. As mentioned in the intro, I have Tiffany C. Lewis, who is the author of seven fiction books, mostly crime fiction, and has been published more than a dozen times in anthologies and magazines. Tiffany discovered in 2010 that providing feedback to her author friends about their manuscripts wasn't just a nice favor for them. Since then, she has voluntarily beta read six to 10 full manuscripts a year in hopes of learning more about the craft as well as helping authors who need feedback before publication. She currently resides in Sacramento, California with her family and Miniature Pincher. So everyone, please join me in welcoming Tiffany to the show. Tiffany, welcome to the Call to Action podcast. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm so excited to be here. Me too, Tiffany. I have been waiting on this episode with you and I'm so glad. That we are doing yes. a show together. Finally, finally. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know who we got to thank? Before we even get to the next part, you know who we got to bring up real quick? The guy yes. who put us together. <laughs> yes, the amazing, the magnificent, York, <laughs> York Campbell. <laughs> yes, yes. If I had sound effects, I'd put him in here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. York is awesome. He's amazing. It is time, like I told you when we first talked, for the five-minute York session where <laughs> we are just going to sing his praises. I appreciate every single thing that he has done, every connection he's ever made for me, including introducing me to you. Oh, same and, here. Yes. Yes. Uh, so many other people who have really been... The thing about it is every single person that he interacts with is so supportive um, and for me, even though they don't know me, you know, because yeah. York has that energy when he says, you know, Tiffany's awesome, they take his word for it. And I have to live up to that standard every single you know day. What? So. That's what he did to me. And I didn't question. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Have her contact me. I'll contact her. It was, it was just like, just like that. I didn't even question. I was like, I yeah. knew it. <laughs> He's definitely that kind of person. Very giving. 
Um, great listener. When I tell him my crazy ideas, he is very patient <laughs> and <laughs> listens to what I want to do. And he helps me make a way. So yes. Yay for York. He's yay, the best. York. Yay. Okay. Now we, we're probably going to go back and give more uh, York more attention <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> He's going to be I'm so sure. embarrassed. <laughs> He's going to come up multiple times. Multiple yes. Times. He's done so much. I mean, he has to. He has to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Tiffany, you know, I like to do icebreakers. They're just like a really cool way, fun way for us to get to know you. So, I have an icebreaker for you. And here it is. If you hit the jackpot today, what is the first thing you would buy with your winnings? Well, I hate to be that cliche person, but (laughs) I would definitely buy a house. Um, My family, we're like, we've moved a lot over my lifetime. Um, And now we live in Sacramento. We do absolutely love it here. But I want to buy a house in the city I grew up in, Oakland, California, so badly. And um, it is very expensive. So not to say that financially we would never make it to that mountaintop but I'm just like if I had a you know a chunk of money right now that is the first thing I would do I would hate to relocate again but it would it's it's really our family's desire to be in that area and and own a house there so uh then a car (laughs) (laughs) yeah so gotta get a house gotta get a house my dream house is what I would do yep yes so would you would you build it from the ground up or just buy one that's already done I, I, I'm actually not sure because Oakland has really, really unique, um, like there's some like places that are, um, like I call them cookie cutter where they've just like cobbled together a bunch of houses that look exactly the same, the newer ones, but there's a rich tradition of like owning your plot in Oakland and in the Bay area in general, like you drive down the street and you'll see very nice homes and they all look completely different. And that's so, cool because now you yeah. see subdivisions where they all look alike. Oh. They may have something like something slightly different, like the brick front versus not. It's <laughs> like that's yeah. not really unique. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. The, the features that you can pick from the catalog are the only way to make your house look different. But in the Bay Area, I think it's just because like the way the population has changed, the age of the city. Um, so there was no like like for instance, we lived in Arizona, and it's just land everywhere. So anybody could come in and buy so many acres, put up a, a community, and there you go. All the houses have to look the same because of that. But in Oakland, there's like no room for you to just grab an acre and be like, I'm going to put a couple houses. <laughs> like <laughs> Everything is touching everything. There's all these established businesses that are not selling their business to someone who wants to like make this or that. Um, awesome. So it's, keep yeah, that it's, tradition it's, there. Keep that. Yeah, know, that's good. I know. Mm-hmm. I love seeing all the strange looking houses. So Berkeley is even more. Berkeley is even more flamboyant. And, and you know, and we're not above living in Berkeley either. So <laughs> <laughs> the whole we love the whole Bay Area. There's just like we love it. Yeah, I could go on forever. All right, Tiffany, thank you for sharing your icebreaker with us and what you would do with your winnings from the jackpot. So I'm surprised you didn't say you would give me like a little donation. I mean, I I would take a, you know, a nice little break (laughs) off of something from that. (laughs) You know what? The list, the list of people who who want to be included there is so long, but yes, you're on the list. You're on the list. (laughs) And I would do the same for you. So thank you. York has created two besties. We're like putting each other on our millionaire list. I know. (laughs) York. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So now, Tiffany, I know that you have a book out called Helpless, right? Yes. And that book, it's it's in print and audio version, right? It is. And of course, ebook can't can't go without that. But okay, so print, ebook, and audio? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a women's liter a women's lit collection. Basically, it's eight short stories uh, with female main characters, and the idea of it is is just like I actually spoke to York. Here you go. Here he comes again. <laughs> I <laughs> I spoke to York about the book um, shortly after it came out. He interviewed me on his podcast, and basically, um, he he made a comment that kind of solidified or like 
made true what I was trying to do with the book. And he was saying that he didn't realize, you know, until halfway through that all the stories were uh, female main characters. And I told him like, that was the point, you know, I wrote it not with the idea of every single person has to be a woman. Every single situation has to be, you know, a female character's issue. You know, it was just like, these were the stories that I kind of had in my head and my girls would be there to take care of it. Like some of the stories you could easily just swap out for a male character and it wouldn't change any dynamic of the story. So I did that on purpose. I didn't want it to be like a feminist book. I just wanted it to be a woman's stories with female characters because those were my homies at the time. Like those were the characters that were in my head um, because I've written male characters before. So it's really like the story that I'm most passionate about because of that. Like, I love the feeling of it. I love short stories. And it's been so like such a journey going through with this book, the writing, the editing and all of this. But getting it into audio was really like the exciting part of the whole process. Now, did you record it yourself or do you have someone do it for you? All right. I'm going to tell the abridged version of this story. Okay. It's actually really long. <laughs> okay. Um, I did not record it. When the book was close to being done, um, I was just dreaming of the fantastical release we were planning and all this kind of stuff. Like, I am so excited. This book is amazing. And um, I just sent out a tweet to my favorite audiobook narrator. And before I let you know how amazing her response was, I found this narrator on this show called Nailed It. Um, It's a Netflix show where they bake very badly. Uh, Nicole Byer is the host. And I always stalk the people on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so it's a show where they're baking? I'm sorry, I I haven't heard of it. It's like a cooking show? Yes, it's a baking show for people who are really, really bad at baking. It's like kind of a, it's more like a comedy show. It's not necessarily intended to be like very enlightening, but... Oh, okay. (laughs) um, I mean, I still learn a lot about baking when I watch it because what they're doing is like way beyond anything I would think to do so badly in the kitchen. Um, But it's so funny. It's like a kind of a longstanding Netflix show, actually. We're super proud. I think they have five seasons and that's like unheard of. So yeah, me and my daughter watch it quite a bit. So basically, if I see someone on the show who has their, they always put like what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. So if I see an author... I'm immediately looking that person up like what are their books and where do they work and what's their publication style? I'm all over it. And so um, the woman's name is Tanya Eby and she was on Nailed It. She won her episode, which I was so excited. And on hers, it said audiobook narrator and author. And when I looked her up, sure enough, she is an amazing audiobook narrator. I had already heard some of her books in my Audible account. Were already They were already oh, there. Oh, cool. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Such a coincidence. So I started following her on Instagram, Twitter. And then as all this is going on, I'm doing Helpless. And I'm like, man, I need a female voice for the narrator for this. And like all of that would be great. And then literally, just like how they say, put it out in the universe, Mm -hmm. I literally just tweeted, it's my dream to have Tanya Evie narrate my book that's not even out (laughs) right now. (laughs) And, you know, whatever, like nothing. I was not expecting her to reply at all. And she did. She literally said, yes, she literally said, send me your project, send me your script. Let me review it. I'll let you know. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is going to cost me a lot of money. But (laughs) it worked out. (laughs) It worked out. And yes, Tanya Eby narrated my book. I was I'm so happy with the the work that she did. I cannot thank her enough. And it's funny because if you go to Audible and you find Helpless and you click Tanya Eby's name, it makes me feel like a rock star because the other people who are in her book list are like, New York Times best-selling authors. And I'm like, yes. That's that means mean. you're one too, Tiffany. That is, <laughs> we're going to see you up there too. <laughs> yes. So such a crazy experience. But basically, like, the the short answer is I did not <laughs> record my audio book. But no, you know, um, I'm surprised. Still... You have such a nice voice. <laughs> Thank you. You really I, do. I, yeah. And it's actually York again. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> He's part of the reason that I 
have grown comfortable with my voice in the first place. I never was like a fan of my voice. But before I started my podcast, I recorded for his. And I also think I did for Brent um, one of his episodes as well. But it's through York. Like York asked mm-hmm. me if I'd be willing to do it. He provided me with what I needed. And yeah, he just encouraged me to, you know, use my voice for my podcast. So I just don't know about narrating books that I'll leave that to you because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I want to read a whole book and I, it's hard enough for me to read and edit my own books sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Narrating is different. I'll, I'll save my stories for offline, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But that York, he definitely like he got, well, we've, I think we've done a project together with York on one of his podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, because yes, we record we separately and then we send our files in and then he makes magic and puts all together and creates a beautiful show or Absolutely. beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, he, he's he's definitely done that. He's encouraged me to do it too. He's like, Shantae, you can do it. I'm like, okay, York, and I'll just do it. <laughs> and that's it. And now we're out of our comfort zone and plunging over the edge. <laughs> right. <laughs> together. together. Growing wings we, as we land. He, we're just growing wings on our way down. That's what he does. I but know. yeah, he's, he's catching us if we fall. That cliche, like, don't worry. It's okay. We'll be right. He's giving us the worst case scenarios. And he's <laughs> moving us along. Um, the idea for my podcast, as I mean, we can segue a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, I do. The, I wanted to ask you about that. I want to hear about that. So tell us. Yeah, yeah. you do. Tell us about your new podcast you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the idea actually came from a wonderful mentor, uh, Monica Cox. Um, I beta read for her. She encouraged me to like believe that what I was doing was really important and impactful. And I've been beta reading for over 12 years now. And wow. Yeah. And like my bio says, like, I didn't even realize that at first what I was doing was beta reading. And so over the years of just constantly reading for other people and offering feedback, learning the best way to give feedback has created what I do now. And so when I worked with Monica, she just said, you need to give this information, you know, to more people. And my thing about beta reading is I believe in the volunteerism of it. So I don't charge people. And when I was trying to think of how I could give my advice with also without charging people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the podcast came up. And now, Tiffany, so that's, that's a lot of reading. I mean, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to not charge and to do all of that reading and give advice. I mean, I love it. Not once. You don't want to say, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I charge this no. much per hour. <laughs> no. Well, and so here's the thing about it. First of all, um, I've received gifts before, but I never ask for anything. I just don't, I, you know, I just can't. But my thing about it is when you take away that volunteerism of it, it becomes a job. Like as soon as someone gives you money, it just minimizes to me. Like I go to work, I work with kids. I'm a preschool teacher by trade. And oh my gosh, I love it. I could talk all day about my little cuties. I know, and that's just the best age. They're so impressionable. You can help mold, you know, them into being really good people. And I could see you doing that. You're such a sweetheart. Okay, go ahead. And I will, (laughs) thank you. You're Um, welcome. I will say one little thing that just made my year for my class. I have one kiddo who I had last year, but we were all in distance learning. And so this year, the family has really opened up to me. They invited me to a birthday party, which was uh, an awesome cultural experience for me they're from Afghanistan and so it was amazing to see their cultural dress and what they were doing to celebrate my student's birthday but um, during the year she told me that she wanted to be my teacher she wanted to teach with me in my class and that is so sweet and so adorable (laughs) well yeah that's and then me and mom kind of looked at each other because before she decided she wanted to be a teacher in my class she was telling mom she wanted to be a dentist Um, because mom works in a dental practice and I'm just like we need to steer her back to that (laughs) like that just shows how impressionable you are that's good wow and and I agree like I do want to obviously have that kind of impact on my kids but I want her to be a dentist so let's just (laughs) just massage this idea into her 
But back to the volunteerism um, mm-hmm. with the beta reading. Basically, as soon as you start to include pay, there's the deadlines. There's, you know, the the author has a little bit more control over the situation than I would like. Not to say that I want my authors to be powerless when they work <laughs> with me. But for me, reading is fun. Reading is is interesting. And talking about the craft of writing is another thing that I really like about it. Like talking about plot and how this character made me feel. And I don't want it to be like bogged down with like the things that come from being paid or having like a financial obligation. Almost every single time I've had maybe in 12 years, truly, I maybe had five people that I beta read for who immediately when the, when I was done reading for them were not in touch with me, did not follow me on social media. So they were never, you know, reaching out to me. I wasn't seeing their tweets or their posts. No, thank you. Like almost, almost no one has like disappeared <laughs> after I've been done. They've almost, almost everyone has reached out to me, asked me for clarification or more okay. advice. Okay. Half of them are, you see what I mean? Like, okay. Okay. The relationship that I've, developed with them has been long term oh good good when you yeah when you pay somebody you maybe aren't you're you're more like critical of what they said or how they provided their service to you or it's just not 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 the same so as no matter how long it takes me typically a well-edited book which is always what I want by the way, the best edited. Me too, the Tiffany. Best <laughs> Inside <Yeah>. joke there. <laughs> yeah, so the best the best edit you can put on it, please save your beta reader because that's another thing. And I guess we can get into that um, later on. But yeah, I got some questions reader, for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, as a beta reader, we're supposed to get that well edited draft. And if it's really good, then it's like me reading a story. And I'm I love that. So I'm just taking my notes. It'll take me about a month, three weeks if I'm really not doing anything else. I'm moving kind of slow now because I'm working on my own book at the same time. Yeah, that's how I end up doing like six to 10 a year. (laughs) (laughs) If the project's really big or kind of time consuming, I can do six. If I have a couple of shorties mixed in, like um, I have a novella coming up that I'm going to work on that's only 120 pages, but then I have like a 300 page story coming up too. And so, yeah, it, it, it just, it does take a little bit of time, but I love it. And a lot of people, that's one other thing about it is that because I don't charge, because of the level of assistance that I offer, even though I don't charge, I get a lot of return authors. And this is almost like being a teacher and like seeing your student learning because every time they send me a new book, it's like better and better and better. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. And it's so you know, refreshing to like be a partner with them through through their journey. So I have a couple of questions. Now I listened to, I think it was your first podcast where you talked about, or maybe it was your second one, where you talked about the different types of beta readers. So my first question is, can you share with us what you shared in that episode? At least just kind of touch on the different types. Because when I was listening, I was like, Wow, I wish I would have known that. Like, I didn't even, I didn't know about beta readers. Um, just so you know, I only, I did like an audio book, like back in 2020. It's short, like an hour, but it's more like informative and educational. It's not like a story or a novel or anything like that. But I still think I probably could have used you back then. <laughs> it would have been nice to know you. <laughs> but, but could yeah. you like share with us like just the different types of beta readers? Yeah. So um, I just call like it's a group. Um, it's a reader group. And so like one, the very first, like if we're going in levels, I think that's like the easiest way to explain it. Okay. Um, it's either you can say levels or like order of operation. So the very first reader that you may ever encounter is a critique partner. And that person basically helps you at conception. If you have an idea, this is the person you can call and just be like, man, I have a really good idea for a story. Let me tell you about it. What do you think? Um, Go over my outline. Does my outline have holes in it or whatever? This is the person that you just kind of, they know you so well. They know your writing style. They know your crazy ideas um, and they can advise you on ways to tighten things up or ways to loosen up or whatever you need before you even put the words to the paper. This is a critique partner. The second one is an alpha reader. 
an alpha reader reads your story um, before it's edited. So like a first draft, very rough, very ugly. <laughs> like, like a no, brain dump of my thoughts into, in a book form, kind of. Pretty much, yeah. You've just only said the end and nothing else. You haven't gone back. You haven't double checked. You haven't removed plot holes or inconsistencies. It's just like, so that person, the alpha reader, is prepared for like a crazy experience through your grammar and punctuation errors and a lot of times they are your critique partner as well because that person can follow you through the whole process they can be all the readers then the next is the beta reader that's after you have edited the story maybe like two to three drafts at least and it's really clean and it could potentially be read just as you're planning to publish it okay so at that point, it's like pretty much ready to be published. You're just having the beta reader just kind of like look over it for you and maybe find some things that could have been missed in the first reading of it or in the alpha reading of it. Yeah. And okay. actually, that person comes before if you're paying for a professional editor, the beta reader comes before the professional editor. So okay. the book is not like perfect, but it's more polished than the alpha reader or the critique partner would see it. Okay. So then after that, you get... ARC readers or advanced review copy readers, and they will read your book after alpha, after beta, after editing, if you're going to use a professional editor, which I do suggest. And mm -hmm. that book is literally done. It has a cover. It's formatted. It's like you could hit print and be ready to sell it right now, but you don't sell it. You give it to advanced readers and they read it and they leave their reviews on the day that you actually do release the book. So this is how people get like a thousand reviews on their first day publishing their book. Mm, um, okay. So an ARC reader is not exactly like the other readers, but they fall under kind of that read that critique category. They still critique your book before a paid customer, basically. And I think that's it. I don't, I think um, those one, two, three, four are the ones that I talk about in my show. Okay. Okay. So when, so for example, if I were to have my book beta read by you, do you give me like, how was the feedback? Is it like we have a conversation? You're like, hey, Shantae, this was great. But, or, or do you write something up for me? Like, how does that, what do I get in return? Like when you do that for me? So I'm a pro, which means I can do anything. And usually um, I ask the author, how do you want feedback? So there's a few levels, um, like the, the person that I'm reading for coming up, he has a list of questions he wants me to answer. So he's providing me with that list. And when I just confirm like, hey, is there anything else that you need? Um, he said, anything is fine. So that means that I can leave additional comments on top of his questions. So in a format like that, where you like already have your questions, a lot of times that comes because someone has really polished their manuscript. They feel like it's already pretty good. And these are like their concerns. Then you have on the other hand, where someone may give it to me and just say, whatever, like, I don't have questions. I don't have, just help me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so when that happens, I'll actually take their Word document and I will use um, the track change function to add comments. So anywhere where I kind of see an issue, um, one thing that I love, love, love to do is analyze characters because I like characters. Characters mean everything to me. And so say, for instance, there's a character in a book and I am getting to know them basically from page one until, oops, there's something here that I'm just like, mm, I don't think my girl would do that. So I will leave a comment right in that spot where the character maybe says something strange or behaves in a way that I don't think reflects their character. And I will literally just put my comment right there on the Word document. So I will save a copy and send it back. So that's what they would like literally get from me. If they don't want track changes or if they send me a PDF, then I would make a Word document in order to send back to them. But basically every author can and does ask for feedback in their own kind of special way. Um, in my show, I think the next episode I'm going to talk about, or two two episodes coming, I am going to talk about the method for collecting feedback. Because again, some people don't know how to ask for feedback, like what they should ask for. And it really depends on their needs in the long run. Okay. Okay. So while we're talking about your podcast, where can they, can they find it? It's on, which, which networks is it on? 
it's on everything. The only one I'm still waiting for is Pandora. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. It's on um, Apple, Google. It's on Spotify. So it's everywhere. And the website is betareaderbits.podbean.com. So. Okay, cool. Cool. And you do a really good job of promoting on Twitter, too. I, I see <laughs> you have your clips out there, which entices me to click on it and listen. So. <laughs> That's how I yeah. found it too. I'm like, oh, her new episode's out. So let me click and see what she's doing. So, and it's, it's really good. And again, York, can I bring up York again? Yes, please. <laughs> he does a great job with your podcast. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, by the way, York Campbell is the producer of my podcast. <laughs> it just goes on and on. It's right. <laughs> it sounds so good. It really does. It sounds really good. And to layer on another compliment for him, because we just haven't done enough. Um, <laughs> this is one thing. Um, my boyfriend listens to the show and he is always laughing and talking about how engaging the show is because York produces the he he includes the sounds and the energy, the mm -hmm. fun energy that I want the podcast to have. And because my boyfriend doesn't know about York's podcast or hasn't listened to it and he knows York through all my chatterings about how amazing he is all the time. <laughs> but it's like an experience for me because I'm a longtime fan of York's podcast and now my podcast and having this experience of kind of getting a behind the scenes look at how he does things because he does them for me now. And I'm just like, this is so fun and so cool that like the way that York puts the show together is just anyone can enjoy it like he's really captured the essence of what i want to how i want everything to feel so that is so true he, yeah. it is so true he his sound effects and just like you're listening to it but you're also visualizing as you're listening yes. to the podcast yes. i think that's what he does really well i have to give um my favorite thing that he's ever done on for my show is um and <laughs> it's so funny because like i just send him my voice you know, there's mm -hmm. nothing extra. And then when I get back his his first edits, it is so funny and interesting what he basically took from what I was saying and what he created. So my favorite thing, and it's in this episode that's out, um, episode four, mm -hmm. um, we talk about spamming. Um, my friend Joseph is on the show with me and we're talking about like the writing community, Twitter and using authors as beta readers. And uh York put in this clip of from a show called Futurama where they were putting the commercials into people's dreams. And so we were talking about how spam and commercials and like all this kind of stuff is pervasive on the show. And he just remembered this clip from the show that embodies exactly what we were talking about. And I was just See, that's dying York. laughing. <laughs> it was so perfect. So my show is like, like in comparison, York's show is way more fun. I think than mine, like the, the the stories and the engagement on his that I feel like I'm literally inside of it is is so wonderful on his show. My show is so inform informational that mm -hmm. it can't be as fun. No, <laughs> Tiffany, he makes their he makes your informative show like fun and informational at the same time. That that yeah. color that he adds in by the sound effects and the special you know audio clips that he puts under like when you're talking because I heard part of the one of episode four. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool how he does that. Yeah. So, he's, yeah. He's an expert. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really happy. So it definitely makes a all information show with only one host very much more interesting, <laughs> in, in my opinion. Yes. Like he's filling it in with more. Like, like I say, he's coloring the show sure. in. But yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So um, real quick, back to the, the beta reading part. Um. So for people who are getting criticism and feedback, <laughs> like when you're giving them your feedback, what tips, if you have any, do you have um, for the author for handling some criticism from Tiffany? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am very cutthroat. <laughs> no. um, my thing is, and actually I'm going to speak on that. Like personally, I don't know how other beta readers are because I'm like more professional quote unquote, like because I've been doing it for so long, like I kind of know, and I know what it feels like because the amount of time I've been giving feedback, I've also been getting feedback. Um, like I said, the way this started was just two friends being like, Hey, 
you read mine, I'll read yours. And so, um, but basically taking criticism is hard. I'm mm-hmm. not going to, you know, some people don't care at all. Like I worked with people who I was like, hey, you know, sorry to get rough on this particular topic, but like it really needs to be addressed. And they're like, it's fine. I don't even care. I just want to improve my story. Other people can get really inside of themselves. And I'm actually one of those people where feedback does bother me. It feels nitpicky and it feels like impersonal because the reader's just taking what you're putting on the paper and their mind is analyzing it and what they think is good or bad, their own pet peeves, their own energy is Mm -hmm. put into their comments. So what I always advise authors to do is actually when you get all your feedback, all of it. So like say you have five readers, wait until every single one gives you their feedback, read all of it, every single comment, every single note, every single email, whatever they've sent you, read all of it. And then don't do anything with it for like a week, two weeks. Just let it be inside of your mind and go about your day, go about your business. Just It's almost like your brain has a chance to process the information without you fretting, without you actively being involved. Your mind just does its thing. It's, it's brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> mm, so it's kind of like leaving some room so it's not so much emotion when you're going back. Yeah. Okay. That's what ends up happening because yeah. you, your brain just does it in a really like simply processed manner. It's not just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't like my character Becky. It's like, no, what they said about Becky was you know, this kind of behavior I didn't like because X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so once you've let your mind just subconsciously mull over those things, then after a week or two, you go back and you reread everything and you decide what you're going to take, because this is my mantra when it comes to beta reading, you are only supposed to take the advice that improves your story. And so if somebody is saying they don't like Becky because her hair is red, obviously we're not going to worry about that because her hair is red. Cause that's what we want as the author. Mm-hmm. And we're in charge of her hair. <laughs> no, no one can tell us that her hair needs to be Brown. Right. And so something like that, you can just ignore, you can just squash it. But if they're saying that they don't think Becky is well-developed because there's not enough emotion from her character or that maybe you want to address that. And so because you love Becky so much, you have to give your brain a chance to just, be more subjective about her and about the feedback. So I, I always say, you know, take a little break. It's intense for some people. Some people it's not intense for them at all, but Mm -hmm. getting that little break and letting your mind subconsciously manage the suggestions is always really good. Wow. Tiffany, that's, wow. That's really good advice because just the thought of having five different people say something about (laughs) about my book, I'd be like, wait, excuse me. <laughs> like, hold up. Right. Like, what you mean by that? You, you don't even know Becky like that. Right. <laughs> but the truth is, is that, like I said, whatever you put on the paper is their expectation of Becky. And mm-hmm. maybe you missed something because technically Becky is within you. Like, you know her so well. Mm-hmm. But if you don't include that one little sentence that shows her emotional wound or that one little sentence that makes her more likable, it's in your head, but they don't see it on the paper. So sometimes, yeah, you just have to take a step back and be like, we're back on this journey with Becky now (laughs) and making her the character that I want them to see. That's really what those kind of things are about. But you have to your brain has to be in a space to accept that misstep. You know what I mean? And that's what the, the two weeks really does for people, I think. That's really good advice. Wow. Like, really. And it makes sense. And just, you know, it's kind of like taking a break, like you said, just processing the information, not being emotional about it, but mm-hmm. picking out what is going to improve your story. Yep. And nothing else. I look, nothing else. I'm very serious about that. Don't just put stuff in because people say it. It has to actually make your story better. You're the author, you know your vision. And so even if Tiffany says that, you know, because I do have people who worked with me for so long that they do, they're at a point where they like want to take my advice. But it's like, if I'm off base, then, you know, ignore that comment. And that I think that's important. Like you have to own your ownership of the story in that way. But that also doesn't mean being closed off. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think people need to be open 
to what other people are saying, but also know that you're you're guiding the ship. So makes sense. So, OK, let me ask you this now. Is it suggested? Like, do you think it's good to have like multiple beta readers or is I've always thought just one after I and literally like I just learned about this from your podcast. So I didn't even know about this, um, although I am friends with the writing community like deeply, <laughs> but right. I didn't know about the beta, the beta reading. Like I don't hear that in the conversation a lot. I usually right. just see people talking about their querying or their, you know, their, what they're writing, many words they've completed. Mm-hmm. But um, so this concept uh, for me is new and probably for others as well. So do you think it's good to have multiple beta readers? And then is there a limit to how many you should have? So you're not overwhelmed with just too much input from too many different minds? Like, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, so I, one is not an option, in my opinion, because I think of it like this, you know how they say two heads are better than one. Mm -hmm. Well, some people don't get professional editors to review their work before they go into self-publication. So when when they say two heads, as a writer, I'm like, your head doesn't count because the story came from your head. So you need at least two other opinions to, you know, to kind of get that. It's like the the odds even out a little more when you have like someone who could potentially disagree with the other reader. So Mm -hmm. let's go back to Becky. She's my girl. (laughs) (laughs) One person might say, I really loved Becky. I felt she was really well fleshed out. I knew her and understood her. And another person could just be like, I didn't care for Becky. She was flighty. And, you know, so then it depends. Like when you have these conflicting ideas, you either want a third opinion, which is great. Having three, three to five is my, my average. I think that's like a good, a good number. Three is good because then you have a tiebreaker, right? Okay. Okay. Um, And you can decide like, okay, I wanted Becky to be likable. So I want to go back to the people who didn't like Becky and let me look at what they're saying, why they didn't like Becky. Cause the other person was just like in love with Becky. So what they're saying doesn't help my story improve. It just makes me feel better that I wrote Becky. So the other person, the other two people who didn't like Becky, let's see what they're talking about. And you know, so then three people balance everything out. It's like, okay, One person did, two people didn't, or vice versa. Or if all three of them, this is like the holy grail, if all three of them really liked Becky and she was perfect, then good. Check her off the list, right? Okay, okay. Now, as far as like too many, 10 is too many. (laughs) And it is, it's really only because of the amount of feedback you're going to get. Yeah, so concerns, like that's too many different, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, um, and I guess it, Again, it depends on how you're looking for feedback because for me, like my bread and butter is when I do the track changes. So I give the best feedback when I'm able to leave a comment through the whole manuscript, like every place that I see an issue. If I can leave a comment, then you're getting like a play by play on your manuscript as opposed to like a form where you just ask me to answer questions. So if you just need like three questions answered from 10 people, that's not really a lot. But if you want 10 people to read your whole manuscript and leave comments, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, five is like a good middle ground. Um, three is a must, like two to three. And two is like, if you have really good readers who are really going to lay into this story and really give you their opinions, three is like the balancing act that you're kind of looking for. But anything more than 10 is like, whoo. It's going to be a lot to, to get through, you know? Yeah. Um, and if, like you, if you use the method that I suggested where you read all the comments and then think about it, you're going to have to think about it for three weeks because <laughs> right. there's just so much to process. So yeah, five, three to five is, is I think the butter zone for that. Okay. Okay. So my next question is what should an author look for in a potential beta reader? There are, uh, I think I had it at six like six criteria. <laughs> okay. Um, again, this is something that I mentioned in my in my show because um a lot of people ask me if their family or friends could should or could read for them. It's like they're right there. Like why not ask them? Um, I think I talked about this in episode three. But basically, they have to meet a certain criteria, and I think every beta reader needs to meet this criteria. They have to be pretty well read, or they have to like enjoy reading. I know that probably sounds crazy. But it's like, uh, of course, but sometimes, (laughs) sometimes when we're desperate for feedback, we're just like 
you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, read this. But like, if they don't even care to read, then they're not going to put their all into it. So they need to enjoy reading. Um, It would be great if they like your genre. Like I write crime fiction. So I like to find people who also know and like that genre. The person has to be comfortable giving criticism. And I use that word in the most technical form (laughs) because I think when people think of criticism, they think of like bad talking. But basically what I mean is if your friend goes to art museums and can explain to you why they like or don't like a, a piece of art in the gallery, that person is being critical. And that's what you want. Someone who can like verbalize how they feel about a piece of art Because what I think a lot of authors get stuck with someone who's just like, this was good. And it's like, no, I need, I need a little more than that. Like, right. How can I make this better? (laughs) Or what did you like about it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you actually like? Like what specifically, which was your favorite character or, and this is why we use like beta forms or we send out questions because we want to get that tailored feedback. But even if you ask someone who was your favorite character, they can just say, Mary. So <laughs> you want someone yeah. you want someone who can actually say, I liked Mary because, and it could actually inform your writing. So finding someone who's critical. And then the last one, which is not my whole six, but you can listen to that episode and you'll hear all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other one that I find very important is that whoever you get to read for you, they need to value what you're doing. And this is another case where your uncle's sitting on the couch. He's not doing anything. You want him, you need some feedback. You're curious what someone is going to think. But if that person thinks that this is a hobby or thinks that it's silly that you spend all this time writing, I mean, no matter how kindly they respond, writing is hard. Mm -hmm. Writing is a job. Writing is an industry. It is very important. And if you're doing it, especially to relieve yourself of some anxieties or to help you through a a point in your life, it's not just like something you're doing. And so making sure that whoever reads for you values what you're doing is actually something I think a lot of people don't realize that they should really look out for. A person who values what you're doing will take the job seriously and they'll offer good feedback that wow tiffany that's really really good (laughs) very good information wow really this is 12 years of me thinking about and going through readers and uh, and also like the passion for it like i have had people read for me before who didn't they just didn't like care that i was writing a story and again it wasn't mean they were just like they they just didn't value it and so their feedback was subpar. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, never again. Right. <laughs> if, if this person doesn't think I'm a serious author, if they don't value what I'm doing or like my genre or know how to give good feedback, I'm just not going to use anyone. <laughs> like, I know that's extreme, but it's just like, no, I don't need, it's not, I'm not that desperate for feedback that I'm going to use someone who doesn't value what I'm doing. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. Um, So let me ask you, because I know we are active members, both of us and York (laughs) in the writing community (laughs) on Twitter. Um, So with your beta readers or the, the people like that ask you to read books or even people, you know, that have read books that you've written, do you find that you get people from the writing community or just from, from Twitter or social media in general as the ones who you interact with the most to are the ones who read your book and give you best feedback? Or is it people like family and friends that you know personally, you know, that are not online that you ask to do the reading for you or that you read for, for beta reading either way. So it's actually kind of a, a pendulum on that one. Like people who I have, uh, gosh, I think I have three or four, in real life friends and family who read for me Mm -hmm. and their feedback is like not perfect, but they do it. And I think (laughs) like, that's one thing to consider because it's a big thing about, Oh man, I gave it to this person and they took two months, three months to get it back to me. But with my family, the people that I have cultivated as my readers, they, they do it. They read it. And sometimes it just says, I like Mary, 
but (laughs) it's done and I can reach out to them and just say, hey, you liked Mary, why? And they can tell me and it's not, you know, a big deal. Okay. Now, comparatively on Twitter, I can get people to read for me and they give amazing feedback because they're also authors and they know the ins and out of writing, but they don't always actually do it. Mm, <laughs> so, okay. Because they're busy, they're writing, they're, you know, trying to sell their book, they're doing all this. Whereas my family at home is just like, I'm home, I'm going to read and this is cool. It's like a difference between the feeling of like they know the craft and they're maybe not reading for pleasure as much as like my friend is because they are they don't know about Mm. the craft. And so the feeling again, like I can get feedback from both groups, but the, the people who are actually professional writers, they don't always actually do the work for me. I've had more professional writers back out and tell me I'm so sorry I was too busy. I didn't they don't meet my deadline compared to family but then family's feedback can be kind of rough and the (laughs) author's feedback is amazing so again it's like a swinging pendulum on like what I'm gonna get each time which is why I kind of have cultivated this group of people that I know are reliable and if somebody falls off then it's okay because I have like six other people who are being consistent at that time so and that's another thing that I want to bring up like Authors have to be really patient with the beta reading process because like you could get a really good reader one month and then in six months when you need them down the line, they could be completely unavailable. That doesn't mean you give up on them. You just kind of like hold on to their information and come back to them another time. Like never lose a really good reader because they currently don't have good availability. I'm a great example of this. Like if all (laughs) if all my friends just gave up on me because I was busy that particular month, like. They would never be able to get my feedback because I'm always doing something. Um, I'm quite busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, because I've been doing this for so long and I know this can be a roadblock, I always tell people, reach out to me anyway. Like, don't assume that I'm too busy. Like, if it's only a chapter, if it's only, you know, 200 pages, like, I might be able to fit it in. Maybe I'm on vacation. Maybe I'm, you know, like, um, so I'm actually very proactive in that but some people are not so the author really has to be like all right that was a great reader you're not available but I'm gonna keep you on the list and we keep on trucking we just we just keep moving okay that's that's good to know that's good to know so it's good to have multiples even having multiples to do the beta reading but then also as a resource so that in case your favorite one is is busy (laughs) um you can have others to reach out to but just to keep in mind you know to keep your favorite one handy just in case they you know become available you know that you can reach out to them yeah yeah like so basically you could have a list of 20 people and only six read this month and then the next time you get 10 the next time or you know eight or and it won't be the same people but if your list is reliable then you you'll be you'll be okay (laughs) okay okay cool so back to your podcast just share with the audience again you know, where they can find it, um, what you talk about in the podcast. And also, I want to know, you touched on it just a little bit, but you were talking about how you started it because you wanted to be able to give beta reading advice because you don't charge for your services. So I want to know just a little bit more about what inspired you just to go a little bit deeper into that. You kind of touched on it a little bit about the podcast, but what inspired you to start the podcast? Again, the podcast is called Beta Reader Bits. And you can find it on basically everywhere. (laughs) Um, But the person who inspired me to start the podcast, like I was saying, her name is Monica Cox. And I read for her. And she is so motivational. She was just telling me, like, you are so... Okay, to just illustrate how powerful the single sentence that Monica said to me was, is like, when I read for her, I had been beta reading for 11 years (laughs) and I had been reading six to 10 manuscripts a year for 11 years and this is full manuscripts this is not even like a friend just sent me a chapter this is not even like one person had a short story that was only 15 pages I'm talking about full manuscripts six to ten a year so I've read over a hundred manuscripts in my career as a beta reader and given full feedback And 
she's just like, this is your talent. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So when she said that and when she, and I'll be transparent, like she was like, you need to charge for this. And I put my foot down and I said, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah. but I put my foot down. I said, I'm not going to charge. I love the volunteerism of it, not doing it. And so working with her, I guess, I mean, obviously I'm still in touch with Monica, Um, she's so inspirational to me. And over the time that I worked with her, I just kept thinking, what can I do? What can I do? Because all of a sudden I like understand this about myself and understand that the way I give feedback and the way that I help people is valuable to more people than just those people who actually have. And I will say the courage to reach out to me because it's you're very strong if you're willing to put your book out there for somebody to criticize. So Mm -hmm. those who have the courage to reach out to me, we have an excellent relationship and they know what I can do, but no one else knows. And I have to say also, I am floored at how many people don't know what a beta reader is. Like I'm, it's one of those situations where you know something so well and you're surprised when Mm -hmm. someone else doesn't, um, See, I don't feel so so bad because I didn't know about it, like I said, until I heard your (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people didn't know. And um, it's funny, I might take a poll, but a lot of people who I read for, especially in the last three years, I am their first beta reader. See? Yeah. So it's been (laughs) really interesting for me to to see that there is kind of a, a need in the writer's community for this knowledge. So again, I didn't want to charge for it. So as I thought of what I could do, I don't want to do a bunch of videos. I don't have time for editing in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I knew York was a valuable asset to me in this sense. Cause I was just like, literally, and this is another, this is another thing between Monica and York. This is how we got beta reader bits because I just tweeted him, DM'd him and said, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Can you give me some advice? And it was like, I know he was all over it. (laughs) (laughs) I know he was. (laughs) It was like a rocket took off and the show was born. Even during the process, the name that the podcast has was not my original name. And the image that is on the the cover is not the original. Like he truly helped me fine tune everything. So Monica's encouragement of me doing it and sharing my gift and then his expertise and his like belief in me is how everything came to be. So that is so cool. (laughs) That is so cool. And your podcast is awesome because I I like, you know, podcasts that are informative, you know, time is precious. So Mm -hmm. when I'm listening to something and I'm learning, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it right here. And your (laughs) podcast is definitely it. I learned so much. In the podcast, I think like I said it was the either the first or second, but you just broke down beta readers. I'm like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. And then you broke it down the different thing. types and when you should use them. I'm like, wow, this is this is really good. And just things that I think other writers can definitely benefit from. So I'm glad you're doing a podcast. And um, it's just it's I know I learned a lot, and I'm sure other writers who are seriously writing, like I'm not like a serious writer at all. Um, but for, for people who are like, I know they're going to benefit from the information that you provide and your years of experience. You can hear it even with us talking now. I'm like, wow, she knows what she's talking about. Like you can definitely hear it. So yeah. that is good. That is really good. I'm and it definitely not- brings value. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I try not to talk about things that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm actually, it's funny because like I have my own struggles with anxiety and um, this is how, cause I, um, I'm a communications major. Mm-hmm. And so this is how I got over my fear of giving speeches is that I started nailing my subjects to the wall. Like in order to speak confidently, I was like, I need to know every single thing about this topic. And so that helped me to like get over my fear of speaking. And now it's like, if I feel like I know something, I can absolutely talk about it all day. I really, and of course it's like 12 years. Yeah. You can, (laughs) you can talk about it all day for sure. Right. Um, So yeah. And that also has to do with like my writing career because I also have people who read for me. I know both ends of the spectrum on this. Like I know how to be a beta reader and I know how to work with a beta reader as, as a fiction author. So yeah, it's, it's like 
the amount of information that I have about it and my ability to speak on it is based on that really just like being Mm -hmm. 12 years in the trenches of (laughs) editing and (laughs) yeah Yeah. you're doing it all you're doing the writing you're doing the beta reading for others you work you know it's just you got the podcast girl you're doing everything it's it's awesome and and everything sounds so good and so polished like your podcast sounds really really polished and really good so you guys did a great job on it Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show. I want you to share your contact info, like where can people find you on your social media and also where they can buy your book and listen to your podcast. Just one more time. (laughs) So my podcast is Beta Reader Bits. It's available on your favorite podcast app. I'm sure you'll find it there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, I am on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on the platforms, but I'm not really on Instagram if you get my my drift. Um, but I am on Twitter at author T C Lewis. And if you want to find my books, you can go on Amazon and just search my my full name, Tiffany Christina Lewis, all spelled the normal way that you are accustomed to. No extra letters or <laughs> K's <laughs> instead of C's. Um, Tiffany Christina Lewis on Amazon, you'll find my crime fiction you'll find my women's lit and if you click on that helpless which we talked about earlier you can go from amazon to audible if you're interested in the audiobook um and also my podcast has companion books so beta bits are the names of the books there's two right now i'm working on book three and book four will come well after that um but they're basically a condensed form of what i share on my podcast so there are two books that um, accompany the series as well. And you can find them on Amazon by searching for my name, Tiffany Christina Lewis. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, my last question is, Tiffany, do you have any last words of wisdom for the audience? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thing to say about mm-hmm. um, beta reading and about, you know, this crazy feedback that we we all need so desperately in our writing is getting feedback and working with beta readers, working with any kind of reader whatsoever is all about relationships. In order to cultivate good, strong beta readers and um, go through the process with them in a, you know, in a in a most beneficial way for everyone, you really need to have a relationship with your reader. You need to know them. And they need to know you Um, over time. This is why I read for people, have read for people multiple times. Some people I've read their whole book series through beta reading. Um, Some people have read my whole book series through beta reading. And it's because we have enjoyed knowing each other and helping each other out because I do it for free. I mean, I wouldn't do it for someone who treated me badly or what's forceful or, you know, the Mm -hmm. relationships that I forge with people who read for me and people that I read for make a huge difference in the way that we operate together. So a lot of times people ask where to find beta readers. And I always say, oh, you can go to Twitter and you can. But the thing about it is you have to be in the writing community to find people who care about you enough to dedicate a month to reading your book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you definitely can't just jump on for the first day and start asking for people to read for you. It's very challenging to find beta readers that way. But once you're in the community and you know people and you're being social, which is what social media is for. That's right. Then it's a lot easier to find people to read for you and to support you through your journey. So Um, I know, again, sometimes we get in desperation mode, which is why we ask our uncle on the couch to read for us, even though he hates to read and he doesn't like our (laughs) genre. But (laughs) you have to give it some time. Don't rush. This is how you form your beta reader group. This is how you keep your beta beta reader group is by having a relationship with them. Wow, Tiffany, this has been great. I've learned a lot. Once again, as always, listening to you, I enjoyed our conversations. <laughs> yes, my new bestie. Yes. I'm putting you on the list. You're on my, yes. my millionaire list. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You're on mine too. You're on mine too. And I will continue supporting you on Twitter and with your podcast because I think it's great and people need to hear it. They can learn a lot. And just you putting out that valuable information using your years of experience and condensing it into those podcasts 
and it's entertaining and and informative. So it's it's a pleasure to listen to. They are a pleasure to listen to. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so I much. Love it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me too. Me too. So again, I just want to I want to thank you for being a guest on the Call to Action podcast. And I definitely, like I said, enjoyed our conversation. So. I would probably like to have you back. I mean, I just, I know you have a lot more of all that experience that you could share. So yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I am always happy to talk about beta reading. I'm always happy to talk about anything related to writing in general. Like I'm going through the journey. I'm finally ready to query a book. So I'm starting to like develop knowledge about traditional, more about traditional publishing, but I know a ton about independent publishing and and self-publishing the craft of writing and I know anytime, anytime I'm ready to chat. That sounds good. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that because I definitely can see us doing (laughs) another one together. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime. Yes. All right. So everyone else, I want to thank you for tuning in and remember to go to ctamarketing.biz and check out the blog post. I have a guest blogger. Her name is Sarah from economymom.com. And she submits posts and I share them on the site. And they're actually really good and informative posts. You can also check out past episodes of the Call to Action podcast. And you can support the show by buying my book or by purchasing merch. Or if you just want to leave a donation, that's always welcome as well. So before we wrap up, um, I do want to give another special mention to York Campbell. Um, He is the creator of the Poetic Earthlings podcast, you will have the pleasure of hearing both myself and Tiffany in his podcast. <laughs> York once again. So if you're into science fiction, go and check it out. His podcasts are so fun, so awesome. And you can hear his podcast on Poetic Earthlings.com. This concludes episode 44 of the Call to Action podcast. And to all of the entrepreneurs, self-starters, authors, and small business owners, remember the code. The journey begins when you take the first step. Courage, optimism, determination, and enthusiasm are the tools that will help you along the way. Until next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Call to Action podcast. Make sure to visit me at ctamarketing.biz. There you can find articles for entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Until next time.